Dream Girls Academy, a sisterhood of empowered women dedicated to empowering young teenage girls and young women across South Africa. As an organization, we offer a wide range of female empowerment programs, including but not limited to our mentorship program, life coaching, and financial aid. Follow us on all our social media platforms to learn more at Dream Girls Academy, empowered to rise. Welcome back to Her Bold Story Season 2, a podcast focused on bringing you bold stories from inspirational women of color. I'm Inga Davids, your host. I'm so glad to be back. It's been an interesting past few months finding great stories that I'm excited to share with you. If you're new here, welcome. If you've been with us from day one, thank you for sticking with us. To kick off the new season, let's listen to this conversation with Shirley Zinn. The first time I heard about Shirley Zinn was when I was gifted a book, Swimming Upstream, way back in 2016. And ever since then, I've been following and watching a story from a distance. So in short, I'm a huge fan, and this was truly a special episode, having the honor to interview a woman I admire so much. She is an accomplished author, a coach, mentor, and an entrepreneur. In this episode, we chat about her journey, the highs, the lows, and everything in between. I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. Our special guest this month is a non-executive director of boards, a woman who has inspired others to reach their dreams regardless of circumstance. When she's not behind the desk, she's an avid runner who was planning to run her 10th to Oceans Marathon, but unfortunately, the pandemic put a damper on those plans. A very warm welcome to Shirley Zinn. I am so excited and honored to have you on the show today to listen to your story of grit, tenacity, and determination. Thank you so much, Inga, for having me. I am I'm absolutely delighted to be here, and thanks for that very graceful introduction. Let's let's jump right in, Shirley. Um, your book, Swimming Upstream, it paints such a vivid journey. For those that haven't had the pleasure yet of reading about your journey, tell us about your journey. Where did it start? Thank you, Inga. So I was born, let's get the year out of the way quickly, um, in 1961. And so I'm firmly on my way to being 60 in the next few months' time. But I still do feel very young and very energized and just so excited still to to be alive and well during this difficult time and grateful for that as well. And um, I was born um, to parents who didn't finish their high school, but who knew the importance of education. I essentially grew up on the Cape Flats in a place called Steenberg, Steenberg, whichever way you want to say it. And if you're from Cape Town, um, just to give you some orientation, if you're coming from the N2, you're coming down the M5 towards Misenberg Beach, it will become Prince George Drive. And about 5Ks from the beach, you will find on the left-hand side a huge uh, um, settlement called Lavender Hill. And on the right-hand side, you will find old council houses from the 60s that those of us who were ejected from District 6 due to the Group Areas Act found their way into these council houses. And that's essentially where I grew up. 
Um, needless to say, Inga, that this is a place of incredible poverty and despair, and we still to this day battle with, uh, you know, gangsterism, drugs, guns, gender-based violence, unemployment, and just absolute destitution. And so for many girls, like my sister and I, she's three years younger than I am, growing up in those kinds of environments, you you don't ever see, you know, the end of high school. You There might be a, a teenage pregnancy. There might be, uh, you know, uh, falling into drugs or gang activities um, or death even if you got caught by a stray bullet. So this is the reality still for many of us. And um, it's a, it's, it's, it was a tough upbringing as a, as a child, but very fortunately um, I had parents who, you know, sat us down and tried to talk into us, you know, why it was important to make something of our lives, why it was important to not get caught up in this space. And so my father often talked to us, uh, he didn't use fancy words like vision, but he did say, mm. you know, set yourself some goals, try to make something of nothing, do not get caught up, in, you know, with bad practices and friends in this space. And so, you know, eventually I said to him, so what, what is it really that you would like us to achieve? And he said, please just get your matric. Just please get your matric, you know. And Inga, you know, if you look at the statistics even today, you will know that we get up and we go to grade one. And most of us, or well, 50% of us would have fallen off by grade 12, especially especially young girls in spaces like this would never finish. So the statistics are tough out there. And for me, that was a very big um, goal to try and achieve. And I, somehow in me, a little, you know, buzz started to happen that this is something that you actually must do now, you know. Yeah. And then um, my mother on the, on the flip side was more sort of focused on values. She would talk about things like you must respect other people. You must be humble. You mustn't forget who you are and, and, and a sense of what you're about. You must work hard because nothing will come if you don't work hard. But working hard without doing things well, it, it doesn't work either. So you've got to try to do things to the best of your ability. Everything you do has to be done to the best of your ability. We're not asking you to be perfect. So this is a big message and a big shout out already that I want to send to many of us who think, you know, we're falling short when we when we make a little bit of a mistake. But I want to encourage you today that we are human beings and we are not expected to be perfect, but we can give of our best. And in some of the other lessons, I think, which were which resonated with me my whole life was around things like being kind and being generous and being helpful. And I think you know, there, there hasn't been a time worse than the last 12 months, I think, for many of us. And for us right now, empathy and compassion and being kind and being grateful to be alive and to have what we have is, is so important. And so I, I really, those are my key anchors in terms of vision and values. And, you know, all of us, um, you know, it starts off with little goals. It doesn't have to be grand. It doesn't have to be bright lights. It, it can just be one little step, you know, every day to try and move yourself forward. And, and, and Inga, those were the key messages put out to me. And then, of course, we walked to the primary school up the road, my sister and I. It became very dangerous to walk up what is now John Mark Street and um, Wisconsin Boulevard back in the day. And I went to Squeal Primary and um, it became too dangerous. So we stayed with my, my grandmother in the week. 
And again, I'm very grateful um, for extended family. I think we all have, you know, have various sorts of networks. If not family, we have friends, we have neighbors, and we're all part of that community. And, uh, you know, we, we, we are taken care of as, as children. And I think we need to go back to creating communities that care about children in the way that, you know, we could just go over to our neighbor and be safe in, in, a, in a difficult situation. And we need to go back to some of those values. But in, in any case, we stayed with my grandmother during the week in the end, and she was very tough. And as, as you know, as rebellious as we were back in the day, my sister and I, about going there versus going home, um, I'm grateful to her for lessons on discipline. You know, um, you can play until five o'clock, but don't come your five minutes past five because then you're late. Then you don't play tomorrow, okay? Um, or, you know, you must be determined to finish what you start or you must do things diligently. Those are kind of the three Ds or four Ds, you know, um, discipline, diligence, determination, dedication to getting on with things and moving things forward. So it was very tough for us uh, back then, but I'm very grateful because all of those things, you know, came together to really propel me along a path that I would never have imagined possible. And so I went to, both of us, my sister and I went to South Peninsula High. Um, for those of you who don't know, it's in a suburb called Deep River here in Cape Town. And it meant buses and trains for those of us coming from where we came. And it was, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that easy because that school was also, is also still in an area that, you know, um, there was a group areas act story going on. And we always were worried that the school was going to be moved and closed and all of those things. But gratefully, it's still there today. So um, I got to matric in 79. I worked really, really hard to, you know, just get there. And I was so excited to be there because I was going to work and, and help the family with money the following year. I didn't know where I was going to work or what I was going to do, but I knew that that was what I needed to do. And then I had two teachers sit me down in the middle of matric and Mr. Mr. Najjar and Mr. 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 Isaacs. And they said to me, you know what? You are not the brightest pea in the pod here. You're not getting the straight A's or anything like that, but we do know you work hard. And here's the lesson, Inga, that I want to give to anybody that's listening today is to say, you know what? You might not be the brightest pea in the pod, but you have the potential to do the most amazing things. You have potential. So whatever it is that you are doing, you can probably do a lot more. And all of us have amazing talent, we have magic that is often locked up in ourselves because we're too afraid, we're afraid what people might think, we're afraid we might fail, we're afraid just because it's a little bit out of the box, you know, and we, we kind of postpone and defer and put it off and and think that we're not worthy or we're inadequate in some way. And I just want to encourage people who are listening to say that you are adequate, you are worthy, you have the potential. We all have some kind of talent that sits with inside of us. The saddest thing is that a lot of us go all the way through our lives without having that talent shine and that talent being unleashed. And so today I want to encourage you again to, to think about what it is that you're really passionate about and you've been putting off and you really want to do. And so, of course, I sat there and I said to those teachers, so what exactly is it that you want me to go and do now? So they said, please go home to your parents tonight and talk about university to them. 
And when you come back tomorrow, we are going to help you fill in a form. We're going to help you to apply for bursaries. We know you don't have any money, and but you need to go home. And I, I went, and I knew that I was I was kind of first of all I was blown over because I thought, wow, your people actually think I can go to university. I didn't even think about that. Um, it took five minutes, Inga. That's all it takes. You can change a person's life by just giving them some positive feedback, some upliftment, something that shifts them along. And so my parents said, you know, we don't really understand universities, but we do know it's expensive and it takes time, and we don't have that. That was not what we asked you to do. We did ask you to continue to learn. And so this is the lesson I'd also like to put out there to everybody today is to say, you know, I'm not saying you must do multiple degrees or you must – you know, formally be studying all the time, I, I will encourage you to do that. But I will I will also encourage you to continue to learn from webinars like this or podcasts or from your peers in professional networks or from reading or, you know, listening to the news or buying books and, 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 and just staying on top of your game. The world is changing so quickly. If you don't know what the current affairs of the day are, you can't have a position on it. You can't be informed about things. You can't make good decisions because, because you don't know what's going on. So it's, it's so important, and I want to encourage everybody to continue to learn regardless of whether you have a PhD or not. So, of course, I, um, I, I went back to school. I told my parents I will work weekends. I will do my chores. I will, you know. Um, but I, I would really like to do this. And I was so excited. And the thing is, Inga, sometimes there are people who believe in us before we believe in ourselves. Mm. And uh, many of us have been brought up in, in those kinds of environments. We, we have very little self-confidence and self-esteem. And we don't believe that certain pathways are there for us. It's for other people, you know. When in the meantime, it's open to everybody. We just need to see ourselves walking that that journey. And so um, I went to school the next day and we filled in a couple of forms, different universities, and I got into the University of the Western Cape. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. So in those days, you could get a bursary for from government for being a teacher, a nurse, or I think a social mm-hmm. worker. And I chose to become a teacher because that was the thing that most resonated with me, even though the day before, if you had asked me, I would have no idea. But it was just kind of that might work for me as a first step. So actually, I was already beginning to think about other steps. And um, and so I'm so grateful to, to teachers and to educators, um, whether you be in a school or a university or early childhood or at work, or whether you be a peer trying to coach and mentor another person, you make such a huge difference through education of people. And so, so this was a huge opportunity for me. So I was a first-year student in 1980 at the University of the Western Cape, and um, we had a massive national uprising in education in that year. And, of course, I began to link the dots between my own circumstances, um, you know, the political regime of apartheid, my economic circumstances, and the role education could play in it. And then there was a little bit of an activist starting to, you know, unfold in me here. And so I went to a couple of student gatherings. And before I knew it, the university was closed um, because there was so much uh, trouble brewing at the institution. And a few months had passed by and my parents then actually said to me, you know what, this is not what we signed up for. You have to find a job. You know, it's too dangerous for you to go back there and you need to go to work. So 
I cancelled my registration and my bursary and I went to find a job. And, you know, I, I want to talk about this going for a job story because a lot of us, there's so much unemployment. You know, I was just reading a statistic today that the, between the employable age up to age 24, there is 74% unemployment right now in this country. So many of us have gone for jobs and have been turned away or have given up already. And it's a very tough uh, statistic to try and digest. And it's not giving young people the opportunity to go and, and, and live their lives with dignity. But um, be that as it may, um, I didn't get a job. I went for a couple of interviews and I did not find a job. So I went back to the university in September and I said, no, I really want to come back and finish. And they were, you know what, why don't you just come back when you know what you want to do? And I was kind of, <laughs> I really, really, really do want to do this. So again, I learned the importance of, you know, you start something, there are circumstances, there are realities, but if that is your passion, you put your mind to it and you go and finish it with determination, with focus that you will, you will finish it. So I went back. And I finished my um, my first degree and I went and did a postgraduate diploma in education and went to teach at Groenvle. I taught at Groenvle Secondary in Lansdowne. I taught English for four years, which was the deal with the, with the government bursary. And and while I was there, I decided, hey, you finished one degree, maybe you can try the next thing and see see how you do. So this is the thing, you know, it's a, it's it's all little little building blocks towards, you know, the next thing in life. And and Ingrid, you must please stop me because I will keep on talking if you don't stop no, me. No, I am I'm enjoying the story. I don't even want to interject, but I'm taking all the notes so I can ask the questions afterwards. <laughs> okay, excellent. So um so anyway, so I um I went on to when I, while I was teaching I did a, an honors degree in education through UNISA. And for those of us who study part-time and work and have families and all of those things, we always battle with how we juggle these things and and all the complexities that come with it. And, you know, I want to salute everybody out there who has taken the path of trying to study and work and do all the family responsibilities because that, that is not easy. And so um, I finished my four years and I finished my honours degree and then I went and went, became a lecturer at the University of the Western Cape. I was there for about 10 years in the education faculty, teaching uh, prospective teachers how to become teachers um, and loving it. I did a master's in education, in adult education there. I just thought, may as well keep moving. And while I was there, Inga, I met the most amazing person called Kevin, who is my husband now. Um, We'll be married in June for 29 years. He needs a medal. (laughs) Um, But I have deep gratitude to him as well because he supported me through all of my uh, education and my career and gave up a lot of what he wanted to do to support me. And I will will explain a little bit more about that. But, you know, for those of you out there recruiting, make sure you you know, you know, what kind of person (laughs) it is because you've got to make your partner a real partner in this life. Because otherwise, you know, it makes life a lot more difficult. And I've seen that happen to, to lots of us men and women where things don't, don't work very well. And I was very fortunate. So I, I met Kevin and, um, and Kevin's mom uh, used to clip things she still does out of the newspaper for me in case I miss it. And she one day gave me this thing and it said, Harvard South Africa Fellowship now open for application. And I was like, you know, her name's Jean. And I said to her, you know, do you really understand what Harvard is? Do, do you really think 
that I could go there. Um, it, it should, I, should I even bother with this? And I want to say to you, and I want to digress for a second, that if you go and Google Harvard South African Fellowship right now, you will see that every year they send five people from South Africa. There are various programs. You can choose shorter programs to maybe one year. Um, but you've got to get through those hoops yourself, but they will provide you with the uh, funding. And they send five South Africans every single year on, you know, with a fellowship. And I went for a very um, intimidating interview with them. And I managed to be one of the five in that year that got the scholarship awarded to me. And I went off and I did a, a second master's at, at Harvard University. And the, the big lesson that I want to also put out there to, to people is that, you know, um, the impossible is possible here, um, firstly. And secondly, if you don't take that little, you know, leap of faith, you will never know for sure. You, you have to be realistic that the chances are very slim. Um, you're in a pool with maybe, I don't know, thousands of people you don't know, but I never would have imagined So I got there and I had a professor assigned to me. And again, I want to say how grateful I am for people uh, around me who continue to uplift and inspire me. And I, I want to encourage you because, you know, what happens is we, we just land people. You know, we, we have family, we have friends, we have colleagues. Some of them can be pretty negative and, you know, naysayers and derailers and toxic and you know, find barriers where there are none. And then the other people that just uplift you, you know, that 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 energize you, that that, you know, believe in you. And, you know, maybe we can't choose, you know, the people we inherit, but we can choose the people we want to spend our time with. Because the research shows we, we also often become like the people we spend our time with, most of our time with. And so it's it's you know, it was wonderful to have a, a professor like that. He said to me, no, 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 you're not going to go home. You're going to do the doctorate here. And I was kind of, wow, that will be amazing. But no, I need to go back. And you know why I needed to come back, Inga, is because I left Kevin here. And was it was ask. a year when, they, you know, there was email, but it was very limited. And everything was snail mail and long distance expensive calls I couldn't afford. And so, of course, um, I applied for the doctoral program and I got into that. And that's also lots of hoops. It's not just filling in a form and waiting. You know, you've got to do presentations and you've got to do really get out of your box and, and pass all the gates that they put up for you. But it is possible to do it if you really want to do something and you really want to achieve something. No matter what the barriers are, you can do it with the right support, with the right energy. And, and you see our disappointments, you just bounce forward and don't bounce back. You bounce forward yeah, and keep I like that. forward, right? Um, and so I came back here in between and you can imagine, I, I came home and I said to Kevin, would you like to go with me to, to my doctorate at Harvard? And I don't know how many of you out there would say yes to your partner if they suddenly came back and came home tonight and asked that question. But... Um, you know, here's a person who um, had his own career and his own ambitions and aspirations, but he was willing to say, I'll park that off and go with you. And so we got married in 92 and um, and he went with me. I started the doctorate in 93. I had no scholarship, so I was working three jobs. It was very, very tough. And I thought I should have done the math, but I didn't. Um, and when I got three months in, 
uh, I was broke and I couldn't. The one thing that my father did teach is don't spend money that you don't have. If you haven't got, mm. go without it, you know. Mm. And um, and so while they put a nice gold American Express card in my mailbox at Harvard and I was I could have killed myself with a credit, I, I said no. And I, you know, and this is where humility comes in. I had to go and do the walk of shame and say I can't pay. Even if I, mm. I work any more jobs, I still can't pay because it's just too much money. So I thought they're going to send me home. But what they did was they looked at my results and they said, if you continue to perform, we will continue to assist you. So so that is what they did. And and Harvard actually paid. But it wasn't a freebie. I had to go and sit there every six months. And they had to look at my results. And they had to tick the box and say, you can stay. Because there are 10,000 other people behind you in the queue, you know. Mm. And so um, anyway, I finished. I graduated in ninety seven. And if that wasn't enough, Inga, we had our son, Jamie, smack bang in the middle of that in 1995. So not only did I come home with my doctorate, I came home with a little baby. Um, mm-hmm. And there was so much excitement. And, you know, it was just absolutely wonderful. And I just, just so blessed to have had that happen. Mm-hmm. I came back here and um, I wanted to work in the education department here in the Western Cape. I went for a few interviews. I didn't land any job there. And I was so disappointed, you know. But the thing, again, that I learned from that is, yes, life will toss your curveballs. Yes, you will be disappointed. That's the way life goes. But you've got to pick yourself up very quickly. And you've got to shift your mindset into something positive that says, I still need to go for other interviews. And I need to show up without all this baggage, you know. Um, Mm. And I had to, you know, just quickly shift my energies into something positive. And then while that door closed, a whole bigger door opened into the world of human resource management, none of which I had ever studied, of course, but the Education Foundation was quite clearly a big platform of which I could launch myself. So I went in and I became a training manager at Southern Life. And that is where my career in HR started. And I've, I've been very fortunate. I'm going to fast track now. Very fortunate, actually, to hold some, some key jobs um, um, as head of HR in, in various organizations. It did mean a move to Pretoria and to Johannesburg. And again, Kevin had to give up his job and sell his you know, car and LPs mm. and whatever to come along with me on this journey. And um, we all went up uh, to Pretoria. We, we we started out there. Um, I think it was ninety seven. I graduated, so it was a Southern Life up to ninety eight, and then uh, and then we went up north. Something that Capetonians never do is go go up north, or hardly <laughs> ever do, as you well so know. True. Um, and um, and so sometimes you got to step out of your comfort zone. Is the lesson that I've also learned. Sometimes you got to just do something different. And so, I, I, you know, we went out there and I was, again, fortunate to work with in big organizations with very interesting people. One of the interesting companies I worked for was a company called Record Benkiza. You might not know the company, but you will know the products. You will know Jick and Dettel and Mr. Min and Window Lean and Cobra Polish. Those things are sell across the world. And so I was the head of Africa, Middle East and an amazing career. Um, and in the meantime, we were coming up and down to Cape Town for Christmas with different holidays. And um, in 2003, we had a terribly devastating accident on the 3rd of January 2003, to be exact, in the middle of the day, leaving Cape Town on the end to just past the airport, Cape Town airport. Somebody bumped into us and we rolled and we lost Jamie in that car accident. 
Um, he was seven years old. Um, at, it was the single most devastating um, um, thing that's happened to us. And I think for any parent, you know, I mean, many of us, all of us have a story, I think, but to lose a child like that, um, it was just just horrific. And it took me, it set me back significantly. And so while everything was flying, it was like the pendulum moved completely in the other direction. And um, I had to leave Record Benkiza because I realized that, uh, you know, I lost my confidence. I didn't, I, I was seriously injured. They didn't think I was going to make it. And then when I finally found my way back, I realized that I have to take that time for healing. And I want to put that out there right now. A lot of us are burnt out. We are battling with our finances, with our families, with remote work, with COVID, with loss and grief, and lots of anxiety. But we never, never, ever go for help. We never think we need the help. Um, and also when, you know, in, in, in our world, it's stigmatized a lot too. So I just want to say to you, there are lots of services out there. Nobody needs to even know that you've gone. Please take care of yourself because if you don't, it never goes away. That kind of pain just never goes away. You you actually really got to find a way also. I mean, in the end, it was me saying you got to dig really deep and lift yourself up because it's so easy to slide into depression. It's so easy to have this mental devastation just completely suck you up and 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 it's hard to come back out of that once you're into it so um i do want to encourage people to go for help which is what i what we did and then you also have to realize that you've got to pull yourself up somehow you know and you've got to depend on these people that love and care for you to to help you to you well, sometimes we don't even want the help. We, mm. you know, um, we, we think we somehow we're superhuman and we can recover from these things ourselves. But you do need people around you. And so all of those things enabled me to lift myself up and to put myself back out again to say, let me, let me try. Let me, let me, let me see if I can go back. of Shirley consulting then because I wanted small project. I was very scared, very nervous, very jittery about, you know, whether I could do anything anymore. But the one thing that I want to say, Inga, is that what I learned from that is that we need to live our lives with purpose and meaning. Those are the things that make us get up in the morning. Those are the things that give us a reason to exist, a reason to live. You know, when you ask yourself the question, why? Why am I here? You need to know I'm here for this purpose. And um, and that for me is, is very, very important because that gave me a lot of direction. And, you know, so many of us would have, you know, would have to now rediscover our purpose in the current scenarios um, because we might have lost direction in all of this chaos. But I want to encourage you, you know, we're all constantly in search of meaning. We need to find that inner, that inner meaning for ourselves. And then we can we can find a way to come back, which is really what what I then finally did. Um, I remember I got a call to say, "Oh, we heard you left Rickett Pinkiza. Don't you want to come for this or that interview?" And I was kind of, "No, I, I don't think I can do that." Um, but I was terribly afraid, terribly afraid, even of going out the front door, of getting back into mm-hmm. a car. It was it was a frightening time, but it can be overcome with the right support, with the right help, and also with you, you know, your anchors, your spiritual anchors, your 
emotional and your intellectual anchors. You know, you would think a person who has done so much psychology will understand grief cycles and be able to say, yes, you can apply this to yourself, but no, you cannot do a heart transplant on yourself. Um, I mean, because literally that was what I felt like, you know, my, my heart was broken, my soul was broken, um, and I didn't know how to put it back together again. So so this is the thing. And and um, when I finally got, you know, some sense of, okay, I need to, I need to put my one little foot in front of the other and go out there. I, I went and I had the interview with uh, the then commissioner of, of the South African Revenue Services, um, which was um, Ravin Gordon, and um, and he had already done a whole lot of other interviews. But you know, I I, I went and I was very afraid and anxious, but I, I managed to to land something there, and that was the beginning of my coming back. Um, I was fortunate to be head of HR at Nedbank, Standard Bank. We came back to Cape Town. I was head of HR at, at Woolworths for a while. And now I serve as a non-executive director on a number of listed boards, private boards, NPOs. I was on the UCT Council and adjunct professor at UCT and University Victoria, none of which I would have imagined would have been possible in this lifetime because it just it just feels feels surreal. So I want to just put that words of encouragement to say, you know, we are resilient. We have the ability to recover from trauma and tragedy and setbacks and disappointments, not being less diminished, but being even stronger and being role models to to others, you know, and and the self-care, this personal, you know, um, dialogue within yourself where you, you remain positive, you take care of yourself, you take care of your physical fitness, that's part of why I... I run and I try to to stay, to exercise and stay fit because I think it helps with one's performance. It helps mm. to keep a positive mindset. It gives you energy. You sleep better. And we need to take we need to take proper care of ourselves, especially now during COVID. We have seen, you know, how people's health has been impacted, and people we never would have imagined, um, you know, have become ill, and 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 sadly some some people have passed on, and and we've had to deal with all of that. But I just want to say. As Madiba says, it always feel, seems impossible until it's done, and we should let our light shine because it shine because it gives other people the permission um, to do the same. And you know, we don't know what lies around the corner. We don't know what other challenges will come, mm-hmm. but we build up this resilience that says, you know, I can recover and I will continue to 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 prevail until my day ends. And so, I just want to thank you for listening so so graciously. And I know you have some very difficult questions for me, so I'm going to be quiet now and I'm going to take the questions. Thank you very much. No, thanks, Shirley. That is, your story always amazes me and it inspires me because like you said, never in your wildest dreams would you have imagined where you are today. And I think for so many listeners, that's exactly where we are right now for ourselves, wherever we find ourselves. It's like never would, can I imagine playing big and not just where I am? And definitely for me, it's always fantastic to see someone on our home ground um, showing us that it can be done. And like you were saying, it's just one foot in front of the other and being very open to opportunity because that's what I think your story also shows. It's being open to the unknown and just dipping your foot in to say, you know, there's something bigger that can come from this. So let me see rather than saying I can't. Um, So I think for me, that's always what I take from your story that I keep close for myself in any 
decision that I have to make. But you're right, Shirley, I do have a few questions that I'm keen to <laughs> keen to unpack. I mean, you, you've kind of weaved it into your story, but I'd be keen to to maybe focus on some of, of the items. Um, I mean, we know your journey started from humble beginnings to unbelievable heights. What were some of the unwavering values that have guided you from when you were young up until where you are now? I think, um, Inga, it's, it's, it's those very, very seminal values that, you know, one learns when you're a young child. And that is why, for me, I'm so passionate about early childhood education. And I'm so concerned that, you know, we are not taking this as seriously as we should in this country because it's early childhood education through either, you know, educators um, or uh, parents or guardians or other loved ones around you where you learn these very important values in life. And you see how it plays out when when we practice it. You see it, you know, being lived. It's not just stuff that's up on the wall or words that people, you know, use mm. uh, and bandy about, but it's it's a lived thing. And when I respect you, people can see, we might not always agree on everything, but I respect you for who you are and, and what you bring. You know, I, I show that, that humility that, that my mother used to talk about, you know, um, and, and that kindness. And I, I try I try to reflect every day, you know, was I kind enough? Was I generous enough? Was I honest? Did I act with integrity? Um, could I have done something better? Do I need to... Do I need to be held accountable for something that I didn't do right? You know, wherever I failed, what can I fix? I think one has to reflect on those things and um, and one needs to have the courage to be able to own up if you've done something wrong. And, you know, and and this thing about, you know, hard work and excellence, it's an everyday thing for me. It's, it's all about, you know, um, no matter what happens, I'm going to try to do this to the very best of my ability. I'm going to give up my best wherever I am, whether I'm at home or whether I'm at work or in my community or, you know, mm. doing my shopping. I'm going to be polite. I'm going to be, you know, it's it's just, and even if people try to step on your, your toes and try to bring out the worst in you, that's when the real test comes. You know, it's all very nice when everybody's polite and kind and all of that. It's, it's nice and fluffy and warm. But when people start to challenge you and they start to step on your toes or they, they land criticism on you um, that's not fair, you know, you almost feel like provoked to respond to something. Uh, but you can still do that. You can still mm. call out bad behavior or, or, or lack of integrity or lack of ethics. You can do that in the most dignified way, but you can't be silent when people are not behaving well. I think our society really has to step up in terms of these kinds of, you know, values-based, purpose-driven leadership is really what we need to see more of. And um, and I'm not talking about just, you know, people in high positions. I'm talking about wherever you find yourself, mm-hmm. you know, because young people, they're watching our behavior and um, and they, they imitate our behavior because I think that's the way you get things done and um and so it's it's so very very important to 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 be constantly aware that you you are your role modeling certain certain values and and those things are the anchors those are the things that kept mm. me kept me going the whole way through um but it's very simple very simple things you know it's four or five key things 
that you have to think that's your lens for every decision you take, every conversation you have, every debate you, that, that, you know, go, might go pear-shaped, you know. Mm. Um, it's, it's, it's what you need to use as your filter. Mm, I couldn't agree more. It's definitely having that strong foundation that, that keeps you grounded. Like you're saying, in every decision you make, that's, that's what you, you make your decisions through. Does it align? My next question, Shirley, is really, I mean, you've talked about it as well. You achieved so much despite the various adversity, the knocks, um, the circumstance at the time. How did you remain resilient and determined throughout and also at the different phases of your life as well. So I thought a bit about, you know, about that. And I think that if you think about, about determination and, and resilience, I'm just trying to look at something here that I actually wrote to myself. It's, it's really about all about focus. It's about knowing what you are about, what you want to achieve, who you are very deeply, how you relate to other people and and just keeping your your north star, you know, staying staying positive with a a positive outlook to the universe. If you you know mm-hmm. you, you want to be spiritual about it, maybe not religious necessarily, but you know, an, an outlook that is that is open, a order that is welcoming, a you know, being re- realistic and seeking support to achieve your goals, having in your mind some sense of what your goals. Oh, and even if they change, it's fine. You don't have to beat yourself up if you don't make, you know, clear a hurdle. You know, it's it's always small steps for me. And be mindful of your emotions and your feelings as you navigate your way through. But I think that being a resolute and being consistent and um, applying yourself and having that willpower to get through it, there's so many things that can sidetrack us in this life. So many things. Um, and I think the worst thing that can happen to a human being is when they're not heard or they're not cared for. You know, and I think I think the world needs so much more of 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 of, of that. And, and 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 we can get sidetracked because we think we're not being heard, we don't have a voice, you know, nobody really cares, you know. Um, so what am I doing? Maybe I should just do nothing, you know. Mm. Uh, but we can't we can't take that approach. We have to well, first of all, I have to be grateful that we're here and that we have our health and we have our, you know, we have things that are working for us and we have to put effort into stuff that we want to see working. And and so things are not just going to happen by itself. You know, some people say, well, yeah, you, you, um, you know, things come to those who wait. And, and mm. I don't think so. Things come to those who do something about things, you know. Um, so our focus must be genuine. It must be sharp. Um Yes, and we will get tired. I mean, there are most nights when I fall into bed, I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted beyond belief. But I would feel so fulfilled that I had this chat with mm. you today that I would never have had. Or I mm. achieved a little thing that I planted a little seed somewhere, you know, the, the little things that I could do. And I think we must be authentic. We must be real about what we can and we can't and use the opportunities as they present themselves. And be listening, be engaged. You know, it's it's a whole convergence of all of those things that get us from point A to point B. I love it all. And I mean, you touched on such a good point also of just being open. Again, that sense of openness. And I guess that's also where the aspect of abundance also flows. Because when you're yes. open, things actually just come 
you don't have to go searching. They kind yes. of find you more than anything else. That is just a great testament to a positive attitude, resilience, and determination. But, I mean, if I take a quote that I think some of us are very familiar with, if you want to go fast, you go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. You spoke about having a supportive network again throughout your journey. How important was this supportive network and why? I believe, um, Inga, that while we might be individuals in our own right, and have greatness in our own right, you know, we are intrinsically social because we are human. Mm -hmm. And I think this is one of the problems with COVID. It's telling you to do social distancing and all of these things, which is counterintuitive to the way we are designed. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that's creating a lot of stress for people is that they can't reach out and have a hug or, you know, or or spend time with people or sit across a table and have some coffee and chat Mm -hmm. and laugh and you know take a walk together and and so for me it it goes beyond the network I mean these days people use language like social capital you must have social capital but what is social capital social capital is the ability to build deep and meaningful and authentic relationships with people you encounter in your life you don't just join a network because somebody's going to know somebody that's going to know you, that's going to push you forward into some opportunity here and there. It doesn't mm. work like this. That That's very unsustainable and very short-termist kind of behavior. I believe that if you're going to interact and meaningfully connect with somebody, you need to invest time and energy and truly care about that person's well-being too. So, so networks can be very pseudo and be very, you know, um, driven by self-interest. But I do believe that we need to forge meaningful relationships with people because you'd be amazed at how many people come back many years later to remind you of what you said or what you did. or And you thought they'd long forgotten about you, you know. Um, and the embarrassing is things sometimes you can't even remember. <laughs> I don't remember some of the the students I taught 30 years ago, but some of them will re- remind me, remember what you said when I was 13 years old, you know. Um, so that for me is all, you know, part of a confirmation that relationships are so important, genuine relationships with mm. with people where you, where you truly care about them. And so for me, that is... You know, the network is important. So whether it's it, there are multiple networks at play in our lives all the time with different dynamics kind of rotating around it. So, yes, you have your immediate family, you have your significant mm. others, you have colleagues, you have your besties, you have whoever your spiritual go-to is. You have mm. different people who step in and step out at different points of your journey. might seem like it's insignificant, but when you look back, it is quite significant that that person happened to be there at a day, at a time, where the incident actually happened, because somehow it will be connected in this big connected world that we now live in. And so we must never take those things for granted, and we must nurture, especially relationships that are worth pursuing. We must nurture those relationships, and it doesn't mean that you must, and I have my best friends are from sub A. We, we're still in contact all the time. And, and you know, the other one is from high school. 
We did so many things together. There are two or three of those kinds of people that I've known for decades and decades. And I know the day everything is removed from me, I can go and knock on their door and they will give me a slice of bread and a place to shelter. And that's the kind of relationships you want to have, that you want to nurture, that you want to work with. And and as I said, you don't need to see people every day. You don't even need to talk to them every day. But when you do, it needs to be I'm focused on you, I'm Mm. connecting with you, um, and it's going to be memorable and, you know, um, and that you're special. um, Mm. And you make those those interactions really meaningful and impactful. So networks are important. You can go up to a point on your own, but you cannot try and live this life as an island um, to yourself. Mm. And definitely, like you're saying, quality over quantity. Yes. Um, making those interactions just meaningful. Um, and looking yes. back always is interesting, I guess, like you're saying. You look back and you realize who was there at that specific point that was so pivotal to that yes. um, next next journey or next step that you took. Absolutely. Before we really wrap up, what words of encouragement would you give to listeners? I would like to say, and I've tried to to reflect on on, on some of what words of wisdom um, can can one leave, especially especially in, in this in this day and age where you know there are so many so many challenges, there's so many things to you know, and so much anxiety, and, mm. um, and we don't know where we're going to be in the next couple of months, um, and so 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 what kinds of you know messages really? you know, can I give other than mm. stay true to yourself, you know, build and nurture those relationships, let the magic and the talent in you shine, you know, even if it's in small bits during COVID now, and knowing what needs to be done in your own mind takes away some of the fear of having to do it when you start to, to step out and do it and doing your best and not trying to be trying to be perfect and not also being over apologetic. We say, sorry, so many times for things you're not supposed to be saying sorry for. You, you don't have to be uh, apologetic about, about everything. And also not letting your past determine your future. You can look back to learn, but don't mm. look back all the time so that you don't even live in the moment or you don't even think about the future. I mean, so many of us can remember some terrible thing that somebody said to us 10 years ago and we're angry with them and we don't even know why anymore. Um, but we just can't get, get over it, you know. So um, just just offload all that negative stuff and try to um, plant seeds of, of happiness and, and joy where you go um, because that is a way of, of, of bringing happiness back to you as well. Yes. Um, make lifelong learning a habit. So you're learning all the time. Learn about yourself, learn about the world, learn about other people. Be curious, be, you know, be on a journey of discovery, you know, be like the four-year-old that asks why the sky is blue, you know, um, why the sun rises every morning. Stay curious and, um, and, and just have fun as well. Our life is very, very serious. We've got, to, we've got to give ourselves some relief, you know. We've got to find the thing that really gives us the joy and keeps the fires burning within our soul in a sense um yes. and and yeah just keep a keep a, a very positive mindset and and don't get caught up in the dark negative 
commentary and narrative that many of us get caught up in. It's very easy. But be empathetic and be compassionate mm-hmm. and but still push for results. And that doesn't mean, you know, a lot of people think, oh, but this is all too soft and cuddly. No, no, no. You have to deliver. You have to, it's, you know, the hard stuff needs to be done. And sometimes a difficult thing needs to be said and the tough conversations need to be had and you can't let people get away with Mm. terrible behavior and discrimination and gender-based violence and racism. You can't let people get away with those things. You've got to call it out and you've got to do what you need to do. So I'm trying to say that we need to get the balance of all of those things in order to be truly authentic and and love the purpose that we were meant to be. Mm. Yeah, with those words of encouragement, Shirley, I don't think we can go wrong, eh? Like, I think for the listeners, we're just going to be inspired to action. At the end of all of our shows, Shirley, we ask all our guests this very important question. Which woman would you like to have at your dinner table and why? Oh, my word. So, Inga, <laughs> I thought, I thought you know, um, you might ask me my favorite book or something like that. <laughs> but um, I think, if I, you know, there are some women leaders who have done some very amazing things, especially in the last 12 months. And, I, you know, some of the heads of state, um, for example, Jacinda Ardern in New Zealand, the way she handled this whole COVID thing and her leadership in that, I would like to have her at my dinner table. Of course, you know, I didn't want to start with my mom, but my mom will be at the head of the table and of my grandmother, um, you know, and my sister and, and all my, my besties will be there um, because they've been there for me the whole way through and I'll cook up a storm for them. I think I, I would have, I would like to have people like Maya Angelou who is so mm. so profoundly moving with her poetry that I, I still love to read when I get the time to do so because it's so encouraging, you know, especially the, the poem and still I rise, you know, no matter what, I will I will mm. rise. Um I you know, I think maybe Mother Teresa, because my mother reminds me so much of her with her humility and her kindness and her generosity. And there's so much to learn from that. Um, and then other people, you know, people like Casta Semenya, who's challenging everything and doing a thing and, you know, breaking down all the things that, you know, there were barriers to and mm. saying no to FIFA, I will not do my testosterone shots and you're not going to make me something I'm not. Um, mm. And then, of course, people like Greta Thunberg, you know, a young woman so sharp and so focused and challenging us adults to do the right thing for the environment. Um, and then people like, um, who else? Um, uh, uh, let's say Prof. Tuli Marincelos, mm. you know, that epitomizes ethical leadership and, and, and is a commentator on all things ethics. And those are the important things that we, we, we need now. So, you know, it's, it would be a, a broad cross-section of some of our local leaders, some of our international leaders, and women who have really been trailblazers despite the difficulties. And I can just imagine the conversation I would like to ask them, you know, um, how can we save the world? How can we build a better life for all in the true sense of our constitution? You know, how can we uh, be better parents to our children? How, you know, how can we improve the climate and environmental challenges that we are we, we are facing in, in climate change and and I can just imagine the rich and wonderful conversation mm. 
and um, some of the actions that we might even take, not just the conversation, um, but you, we're going to go out there and we're going to we're going to make it work. So yeah, I, I've been very very um, yeah, I've gone around the world there now. But I think those are some some of the kinds of people, at least that I would I would love to love to have. No, I love it. It's definitely not just going to be you cooking up a storm. It has to be a purposeful conversation at the end, <laughs> action-oriented. <laughs> you know, with all of those women, why not? We have them all in the room <laughs> to yeah, be wasted time true. otherwise. Yeah. Um, but yes, Shirley, this actually brings us to the end of our episode. Thank you so much for sharing your story with me and with the listeners. It's been an absolute joy listening to it. Thank you so much, Inga, for the opportunity and for the wonderful work you are doing to inspire and uplift, especially women. Thank you so much. To the listeners, I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I did. You can reach Shirley on all the major social media profiles. I'll pop the handles down below. And to support the show, don't forget to subscribe to Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, or recommend this show to a friend. We'll be back in your ears next month. Until then... Be bold, be brave, be inspired. Her Bold Story. In proud association with 168FM.